You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast. This is your host, John B. from gangrenenation.com here on Wednesday, January 15th, 2020. So good to be with you today as we talk about the New York Jets. If you enjoy our show, subscribe to it on your favorite podcast source, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or something else. And please leave the show a good review. We certainly do appreciate that. On today's show, we're going to do a sophomore review. Last week, we did what I called the rookie review, where we went through how each of the 2019 draft picks performed for the Jets in their rookie year. And we got some good feedback on that show. So a couple people suggested that we do things for other we do this for other draft picks. That's what we're going to do. So if you enjoyed that show, hopefully you'll enjoy this one. And if you did not enjoy that show, well, you should have said something because all the feedback I got from the rookie review was good. Uh, so we decided to do this for the 2018 draft picks the Jets had. And we'll start off with, of course, the third overall pick in 2018, which was Sam Darnold, which will go down as one of the most consequential picks in Jets franchise history, good or bad. I remember right before the draft, I get people sending me just articles. You know, they'll send me links of stuff that they wrote. And I remember one guy sent me this link where he, he's writing up previewing the 2018 draft for the Jets before it happened. And he made some comment along the lines of the pick that the pick after number three is going to be much more important for this franchise down the line. And I was like, what are you talking about? The Jets are drafting a quarterback at three because we all knew that the Jets were picking a quarterback third overall back in 2018. They of course made the trade up. They traded three second round picks to move from six to three. And he did not know that it was going to be Darnold. In fact, really did not seem like it was going to be Darnold for a while. It felt like it was probably going to be Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, or Josh Allen because the consensus up right up to like maybe like a week before the draft or two was that Darnold was going to go number one overall to Cleveland. And even that day, it kind of, you know, it didn't, it was not a guarantee Baker Mayfield was going to Cleveland. Baker going to Cleveland was kind of a surprise. And Darnold fell to th third overall with the Jets. You know, it was a trade the Jets. The Jets had to get up to three, though. I think it was good for the Jets that they didn't, and they did not end up giving up a future first round pick, which is kind of unusual when you make a trade up for a quarterback, even from six to three. I mean, in th three second round picks is you know, no small price, but they did not give up a future first rounder, so that was good. And look, the franchise needed a quarterback; they were in desperate need of a franchise quarterback. So was, you can get on Michael McCagnan for a lot, but I don't think you, you, anybody could ever complain about trading it from six to three for a quarterback, even if you did not know who was going to be available. You know, sometimes you have to take a calculated gamble. You know, I've heard people say, well, he, he did not know Darnold was going to be available. Well, if he sat around, that trade may not have been there. You know, somebody may have beaten them to the punch. Buffalo may have beaten them to the punch. So they had to make that trade. And, of course, Darnold had a rook up and down rookie season. And his sophomore season was also, if we're going to be honest, kind of up and down. There was some good and some bad. And, of course, things got kind of thrown off path because he had he suffered he caught mono and he missed three games because of that diagnosis which again threw things off he had a bad week one against buffalo you know if you want to blame that on the mono feel free i tend to blame it on the bills having a really good defense and the jets offense not doing a very good job um but i think this is the type of season where you can take whatever you want from darnold because there was enough good that if you are inclined to believe that he's the future of the franchise there's enough good to that you where you could 
feel pretty confident saying that after year two. Whereas if you were more skeptical of Darnold, I think there was enough badge where you certainly could could point that. You could point in that direction as well. Of course, there was the famous game, Monday night game against New England, where you know the microphone caught him saying, I'm seeing ghosts, which everybody freaked out about for some reason. And I, I mean, I knew exactly what he was saying when he said that. I mean, he was just saying that New England was fooling him. And look, it's not like he's the first quarterback who's ever been fooled by New England. I mean, second year, I think you got to cut him, a, cut, him a, cut him a break. There were some things that you know are a little concerning. I, I've rewatched some of the film as late season stuff, and he's still throwing too many risky passes. I don't think there's any question about that. If you look at his numbers under pressure, that's also a little troubling. Now, he was under pressure too much, but part of playing quarterback in this league means you have to be able to operate under pressure. I don't know how worried. Uh, it's a little concerning. I mean, I've seen him operate under pressure. I've seen him. We know he's at his best when he's kind of improvising outside the play structure where he's breaking off to the right. You know, sometimes he'll do that under pressure. Um, there were also some very good moments for him. You know, there were some big games for him. The Dallas game when he returned from the mono had a big game that day. Uh, you know, a couple really good performances against Washington and the Giants and what I called at the time fair fight games because the Jets offense was so overmatched that a lot of these games weren't even fair fights. You know, Darnold was just up against the ball and really did not have much of a chance in a number of these games. Now, they, again, there were a lot, there were too many risky throws out there. But I go back to just one thing is look how this offense looked when Darnold had mono. Look, look, how, the, look how the offense performed when he was out. They could barely do anything. I mean, three straight games with not even five yards per play, two straight games with under three yards per play, one of them coming off a bye. You know, this was just, this offense couldn't do anything. And I think that there was a clear difference when he was in there. You know, sometimes it doesn't always work this way, but sometimes you see a player's value when you take him out of the lineup. You see how much he means. And look, the Jets offense may not have been great with Darnold in there, but at least it was like a, it was like a bad NFL offense opposed to a historically terrible NFL offense with him out of there. That's the difference he made. So I think he made quite a difference in there. And even like the risky throws, like I feel like the Jets have put him in a position where he has to play hero ball, where he has to carry the offense. And this offense did him no favors. Again, like I want to see him perform better under pressure, but you also can't deny the Jets let, let him get under pressure way too often. Not many playmakers on this team, no run game, and... Let's not get me started on this coaching staff. Let's not get me started on this offensive coaching staff because if you are trying to write a manual on how to develop a quarterback, I think you'd do none of the, you would advise very few of the things the Jets coaching staff did this year. I know you can say, well, you're making excuses. Well, some excuses I think are valid. Sometimes an excuse is valid. Yeah, maybe I am making excuses, but I don't think it's a, I don't think I'm making crazy excuses. I think for year two, for where he is, 22 years old. This is me. I still like where he's at. And, you know, one of the things I, I try and impress on people is, look, I can't guarantee anything. I can't guarantee that any player is going to be great. And there are scenarios where Darnold's not going to be good. Maybe, there, maybe there's a scenario where, you know, things fall apart for him. Or maybe there's a scenario where he's, you know, Andy Dalton, that kind of guy, where he's good but not great, you know, not good enough. to get. It's, I think it's still just too early to say. I think there are too many things unknown because, he, A, he's so young. And B, there's so little around him that you need to see what he can do in a stable ecosystem. So I think, you know, Darnold's rookie, Darnold's sophomore year, like his rookie year, was kind of a mixed bag. If you could take some good, you can take some bad. I think overall, though, I mean, look, there's no doubt he's, he should come back for year three. I still like where he's at. I'm still more positive on him than negative. And, you know, we'll see what the Jets can do this offseason to maybe get him some better supporting cast and you know, get him some 
put him into a better circumstance in year three. That was supposed to be what happened in year two, and it just did not happen. So hopefully this offseason, Jets can do a little bit better on that front. Locked on Jets podcast doing a sophomore review today, looking back at the second season's respectively, of players the Jets drafted in 2018. Now, the Jets did not have a second-round pick in 2018, so their their first pick after Sam Darnold was in the third round, and it was Nathan Shepard. And Nathan Shepard is a guy who really kind of changed the narrative around him in the second half of the season because things were not looking very good for Nathan Shepard. He entered the league with a few things working against him. I mean, his age, he was 24, turning 25 during his rookie season, and typically older draft picks are viewed as having less upside because they've already reached their physical peak and they have less years in their prime. You know, there are, there are some success stories out of players who were drafted as older players like Sione Puha. You may remember the Jets drafted him in the third round in 2005 and he went on to have a good career. But typically older draft picks are kind of uh, viewed as having a strike against them. Another issue with, with Shepard is that he came out of a small school. So small, it's when, you got, when you get guys coming out of small schools, they tend to just be so much more athletic, NFL-caliber prospects. They're so much better than the competition that they don't really need to learn how to play with good technique. And that's a problem when you get to the NFL because in the NFL you can't just win. Everybody's big and strong and athletic, which means you can't just win on sheer talent. You have to win with technique. You have to use proper technique. Now, I think with Shepard, he actually had better technique than most guys do coming out of small schools. Uh, so I, you know, I didn't think it was that as big of an issue with him. But you know, there, were, there were a couple things working against him. It's a, it's a pretty remarkable story. If you, if you know about him, he was playing at a, a Canadian college. He had to work some odd jobs. He was a bouncer at one point, in addition to any number of uh, jobs that he, he had. And then he was able to get to... Uh, Fort Hayes State and really turned some heads at the Senior Bowl back in 2018 and ended up getting drafted in the, in the third round. And he was flashing a little bit in training camp in 2018. And then the season came, preseason came, and he really did not do a whole lot. And with a lot of these guys, you know, it either clicks year two or it doesn't. Well, Shepard, you know, was kind of quiet. It was kind of quiet for him, I think, this year heading into the season. And then he was suspended six games. And that seemed to me like that's it for him. I really felt like you know that that may have been all for Shepard. I think he was a guy who he was a guy who you know may it may have been touch and go a little bit for him to even make the fifty three man roster, and then he gets suspended six games. So you have an older prospect who hasn't done much. If remember the previous regime drafted him because that was the, the McCagnan Bowles era when he was drafted. He suspended uh, six games um, for uh, PED violations. It's not looking great for him. And then he returns after his suspension. And he actually plays really well. And, I mean, I can give you the numbers. He had five tackles for a loss. Um, he had uh, six quarterback hits, nine games. And if you prorate that to 16 games, he's right around the team lead in those areas. And there are a couple of mitigating factors. First of all, he's not a guy who plays every down. You know, He's kind of a rotational player. And the other thing you have to consider is he's an interior type defensive lineman, which means that, you know, he sees more double teams. He's not always in position to make a play. And that's the thing about this draft class. You know, we do a lot of Jets draft reviews here, and there are a lot of years where we just go through and we just say, like, maybe one player is in good shape and everybody else stinks. 
I mean, this one's actually going to be, I think the 2018 class at this point is kind of encouraging based on the second year a lot of the guys had. And I think Shepard, you know, Shepard may never be a star. We'll see what happens with him. But I think he's shown, that second half of the year, he really started to come on and show you that maybe this is a guy who can become a quality player, a quality, you know, interior type lineman, which is one position the Jets have have not really been suffering at over the last few years while they've had issues at other positions, but... I think Shepard, the arrow, is pointing up. Now, you want to talk a guy for whom the arrow is not pointing up right now, it would be the Jets' next pick, who was Chris Herndon, drafted in the fourth round. And, of course, he started the season suspended. Now, he's coming off a good rookie year, a good 502-yard season, 39 catches, developed some good chemistry, kept getting better as the season went on, athletic guy. A guy who, even at the time, kind of felt like he may have been undervalued as a fourth-round pick when the Jets selected him because, A, he was playing behind a guy who was a first-round pick in David Njoku in college at Miami. B, he was coming off an injury. So these are things that may have artificially devalued him where he was a better prospect than when, when he was selected and had a good rookie year. It really came on at a spot on the field. We have to remember heading into the 2018 season where the Jets really had nothing. He really went out there. And, and this is, again, when we're talking about the Jets, there are many instances where the Jets have – Nobody proven when you start the season and nobody steps up. Herndon really stepped up in 2018. 2019, however, was just a complete catastrophe for him. And just nothing could go right for him. He started the season with a suspension, you know, four-game suspension to start the year based on a, a case for an older case. Then, right as he's about to return, suffers a hamstring injury, so he misses time after that. Then finally returns to the lineup and in his first game catches one pass, for, uh, catches one pass, and then gets hurt and misses the rest of the season. And this I think the Jets really missed this year. I think that when you look at their struggles on offense, they were lacking playmakers. They were lacking really a go-to guy. And, look, I don't know what Herndon is, but I think he has the potential to be because he's the he, he could be the rare tight end who's a very difficult matchup where he's athletic enough. You know, I love these tight ends who are just the matchup problems, who are, you know, run like receivers and are built like linebackers. Too big for a defensive back to cover, too sl- too fast for a linebacker to cover. I mean, I think Herndon could be that kind of guy. He could be the kind of guy who draws the attention of the defense, makes every you know draws double teams, makes things easier for everybody else. Maybe working in the middle of the field if Jets bring a Robbie Anderson back, opens up one on ones on the outside. I mean, I think he's got that potential, and he developed some good chemistry with Darn. It just did not click for him this year. So I think year three is going to be big for him. A very positive year one, a very negative year two. Still, I think a lot of potential. Hope to see him featured in the offense next year. And a guy who, in some ways, could be like a really big like free agent addition, so to speak. Now, I know he's not a really a free agent addition, but because the Jets didn't really have him this year, he's kind of like a big-time offseason addition. He has that kind of potential. So my hopes are still kind of high for Herndon. I mean, he did not have the year I was looking for. I hope he will next year. Locked on Jets podcast, examining how 2018 draftees performed in year two for the Jets, the sophomore review, so to speak. And now we'll move to the late rounds. Jets had three late round picks in 2018. First was Perry Nickerson, who they drafted in the sixth round. He was supposed to be a slot corner. They picked him out of Tulane. There were some people in the draft community that liked him, and it really just did not pan out for him. He did not make the team's final roster this season. He was actually traded to Seattle for a conditional pick and waived about two weeks later, so I, I can't imagine the Jets are getting a pick for him. I think that the conditions of that conditional pick had to have been Nickerson 
being on the team longer than two weeks and then kind of bounced around. He was on Seattle's practice squad, then ended up in the Jacksonville organization, bouncing between the practice squad and the active roster. Yep, not much to say on this one. Sometimes sixth round, a lot, most times sixth round picks do not pan out. I and mean, this was just a swing and a miss. As I said in the last segment about Shepard, for some guys, it's now or never in year two. It either clicks or it doesn't. And for Nickerson, it did not click. He did not have a great year one. He was bad. Whenever he saw the field, he was bad. He, he really did, looked lost on the field, and things just got no better for him in year two. And he was he ended up out of the organization. You know, not a big deal. I mean, I had hopes for him. I mean, if you go back to last year, I remember saying I was hoping that he would earn the nickel job, earn the, the slot corner job, and knock Brian Poole out, out of the starting lineup in the realm of terrible John B takes. That's certainly one of them because Poole, of course, was great. I did not think much of Poole, and Nickerson really did nothing. You know, it happens. You know, that was just a swing and a miss. It, most sixth-round picks are. Um, sixth-round pick who was not a swing and a miss, Foley Fatukasi, who quietly may have been the most improved player on the team this year. He was he really came on, especially near the end of the season, ended with seven tackles for a loss, and was a big part of the Jets' run defense. You know, the Jets had this excellent run defense this year, and I think Foley Fatukasi was, was part of it. And the stats only tell part of the story because, you know, for what, what I said about... Shepard about how he, his position does not always lend itself to big stats. That goes double for Fatakasi. I mean, his job was really to eat up blocks, to keep his teammates clean, you know, not uh, you know do the dirty work. He he was not really put in a position to, to make a lot of plays, and he just he was really good. He he was underrated. He did not get enough attention. The job he did did not get enough attention. Um, you know, he looks like he could be a player and, you know, for the Jets knock on wood, because he looks like, you know, we have, like, we have a lot of shows where we go through draft classes and say, well, this wasn't very good. I mean, there are lots of players from this Jets draft class who it's not just that you're saying, well, hopefully he gets better. I mean, there are lots of Jets players from this draft class. You know, maybe nobody's an all pro at this point in time and maybe nobody's put together a great season so far, but you've seen legitimate stretches of really good play from a bunch of these players in this draft class, and I think Fatukasi is among them. He he really impressed me this year, and I, like I said, I don't think he got enough attention for the job he did. He Him winning his assignments does not mean necessarily that he's putting up eye-popping production. The eye-popping numbers are something that you'd notice. It just means he's doing his job, and he did his job very well. And then finally, in the seventh round, we have Trenton Cannon, who was not a big player for the Jets this year. He was a guy with a lot of speed, but I've yet to see him turn that speed into anything substantial, anything noteworthy. He really did not. I mean, he they did not really even give him the ball this year on offense. He played some special teams for the Jets, um, but you know, not not a guy who's really looked like much of a late round steal for the Jets. He's a guy you know, you're hoping he find he, at, at best he's going to be a part time player just because he's not very big. Um, you know, maybe he can turn into a receiving back, but I don't think we really saw a lot from him growing from year one to year two. But I, I will say this, and I think you know, one of the issues with this draft class is, as with many Mike McCagden draft classes, you only come out with six players, so not a very deep class in terms of the number of picks the Jets had. And look, part of that was the Darnold trade that they had to make. But you know, I go back to uh, with this, I go back to this all the time with McCagden. McCagden did not do enough to acquire extra draft picks. And I think that's part of the issue is that there's not enough volume in a lot of these draft classes that said i mean four of these guys now herndon had a bad year too but four of these guys i think have given you legitimate reasons for hope so this could be a good draft class yet we'll have to see what happens year three but you know some this is the rare show like i said the rare show where you go through a draft class and you say all right well maybe we got a shot here for a pretty decent uh crew 
That's all for our show today. Thanks for listening. This has been the Locked on Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. If you like our show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We will be back tomorrow with the mailbag. Get your questions in, and we'll talk then.